Okay, welcome to Into the Channel, a podcast primarily about women's football. Before we hit the pitch, if you enjoy the show or love women's football as much as your boys do, subscribe already. Follow us, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to watch or listen. Comments, ratings, reviews, likes, thumbs up, all of them always appreciated. At ITC underscore pod on X, at Into the Channel pod on threads. I am your host, Dino DeCespedes, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Grant Angle. What is up, man? Buddy, I'm feeling great. We're cracking the beer just to even start the program. The group stage of the UEFA Women's Champions League came to an incredible close. And not just in the group of life, which we'll get into, but just surprising results, uh, invigorating results, reassuring results. And I feel like all of that is a good omen for the knockout stage. Tremendously good omen. I think Group C, group of life, we'll get into it. We knew it was going to end cruelly for a couple teams. Uh, We were able to learn which two teams that was um as match day six came to a close but i don't know man i'm ready to get into it where do you want to get started maybe we spoiled it a little bit but let me just tell you something you know <laughs> is i like doing this show with you because you have a keen eye for trends it's i know it's helped you in your in your day job career uh i feel like you're able to get a good read on things early in this case you bit you got a good read on some teams and some players but this call my good man might be some of your finest work You named Group C, the Champions League group of life, very early in the proceedings. And you've been proven correctly multiple times throughout the tournament and then triply correct over the last half hour of match day six. So (laughs) I just don't think we can start anywhere else. You're a soothsayer, Dino. Let's start with the group of life and we'll start wherever you wish. I appreciate that. Group of life it was. I want to kind of timestamp... The qualification situation, so which was unbelievable. So coming into the day, PSG and Ajax held the top two spots in the group, and there was a ton of moving and shaking over the course of these two hours. So I put together a little bit of a running timeline. I'm using the actual game clock, okay? So nice. we can understand when things were changing. So to start, PSG and Ajax, they're in. 32nd minute, Roma scores. Now it's PSG and Roma that are in. 36 minute, four minutes later, Julia Gvin scores for Bayern. Now Bayern and PSG are in. 45th minute, Ajax scores. Still Bayern and PSG in control. 73rd minute, Chewinga scores. Now it's PSG and Ajax. Two minutes later, (laughs) Sydney Lowen scores. Ajax is out. Bayern is in alongside PSG. 84th minute, Ajax scores. Now Ajax is back in. Bayern is in. And PSG is out. So they went from first to out. 88th minute, PSG equalizes. Ajax still in. Bayern out. PSG back in. 94th minute, Giovanna Damjanovic puts the ball in the back of the net for Bayern. Bayern's back in. PSG is out. But the flag goes up. Goals waved off. Just seconds before the final whistle. Bayern out again. PSG wins the group. And Ajax runners up. Congrats to both of those squads. This was a fucking roller coaster. Your head was spinning watching it. And it was just like, well, this... This can't keep happening, right? But then, like after the <laughs> after the second variation happens, I'm just like, okay, th- this might happen six more times, and I think it did happen six more times. It's just like we've talked about this a little bit for more of our like football curious or football casual fans in the United States, where Dino and I are, obviously, um, who only watch the World Cup and they watch it every four years. Thinking about the group stage of the World Cup and these machinations, that's where I think you start to scoop up more fans every four years because people have to be looking around like, 
wait, so if Mexico scores and Colombia doesn't, and or but if they win three to one, they're in, and it's just like it's like whoa, this is this is so unbelievably entertaining. It can be a little complex, but it's not too complex. You can pretty quickly be like, okay, if this, this, and this happens, I need this to happen, whatever. But to see it in the Champions League with elite club squads is just, that's the benefit of being much more than than just a World Cup fan here in the States. Yeah. I mean, it, just wrapping your head around all four of those teams at one point <laughs> were in one of the top two spots during those 90 minutes. I mean, really just incredible stuff. That's not something that you get really kind of anywhere else, even in this tournament. Like once we go to the knockout stage, it's really just a head-to-head. One team advances, one team doesn't. But the group stage is just a really special time, man. I wanted to get into the Ajax and Roma match. Um, Lily Johannes, she just keeps getting better. (laughs) She spent large, large stretches of this match looking like Ajax's best player. She won player of the match, so we weren't the only ones who thought so. I wanted to kind of hone in on one play you know, we like to talk about her on offense, on the ball, and just kind of like all the wizardry she's able to put together there. But in the 43rd minute, a corner comes in from Roma. Elisa Bartoli, who had Roma's first goal, she puts her header on the crossbar, almost making it 2-0, which would have made this match real, real interesting. Lily heads it away from goal, but right to Evelyn Viennes. Viennes winds up for a close-range strike. Johannes gets a key block on Viennes' strike. The rebound makes it out to Elena Linari who tries her hand at goal. Lily hard charges all the way out to block that one too. Just a rock solid defensive sequence from the girl wonder. I mean, she's just, she just keeps getting better. It's like, it's it's pretty incredible to watch. The instincts and the intelligence, I know we've talked about it before, but the instincts and the intelligence at 16 years old, just incredible. I don't even know really how to frame it. She gets the first close range block on Viennes and then to already have the presence of mind of block, where's the block going? Who's on the ball? I got to get there now because I I don't have any other teammates there. I mean, we're talking just quick fire, rapid reactions in the most critical of moments because you're right. You go down 2-0, full scary hours. I don't know if you can come back from that. Yeah. And we're not going to get too much into this one, but Paris FC... They needed a result against Chelsea. And when they went down, I mean, it was pretty much a wrap. I mean, I think yep. they <laughs> they're kind of like, all right, let's nobody get hurt out here. So yeah, 2-0 would have really flipped that game. And again, the group flipped another seven or eight times from there, like you mentioned. Uh, what else did you see in, in, in this matchup? You know, I think staying on Johannes just for just for another moment, um, her versus Saki Kumagai. Obviously, the, the narratives are clearly there, like youth versus experience. Uh, you know, size versus less size, frankly. You know, I mean, you, you think about <laughs> these things. Akuma guy is, is an all-time player. And to see that kind of chess match happening in the middle of the field, mm-hmm. again, Akuma guy is going to go down as, as one of the, the better players ever. And to be able to look across there and not blink, have full confidence in your game, full confidence in your ability to carry the ball down the field, make important touches in the final third, that road itself, I just have to do the, the big picture, zoom out one more time. Um, Dan Johannes, amazing, incredible supporter of the program. Appreciate you, Dan. Um, if you're Team USA, you, ha- you have to get this player. You have to, <laughs> you have to get this player. You have to. Like She has to be the center mid for U.S. Women's National Team. you you got to make it happen, guys. And I, I got to imagine Emma Hayes would kind of look at me and be like, yeah, 
No, yeah, no doubt. Do this. <laughs> Thanks. I, we're working on it. So, I, I mean, I just got to say, that's where my mind goes. Yeah, I mean, perfect description of the chess match between her and Kumagai. And Kumagai has been really good in the group stage. I mean, yep. she's definitely maybe on the back half of her career, we'll, we'll say that. Uh, but she's still been really effective, calling a lot of shots for Roma, getting a lot of action started. And yep. that was that was a battle, seeing those two go at it in the center of the field. It was some real gladiator shit, so that was pretty cool. Uh, less than two minutes later, after you know Lily's epic sequence defensively, you know she got the offense going. What'd you see there? She flips the game completely on its head. Like you said, for basically a second time, she kind of saves the game. I've heard English announcers use this term. When you get a block like that, or in that case, two blocks like that, about as good as a goal in that situation. Two minutes later, she gets an interception, maybe more of a steal, drives the ball, has to be damn near 40 yards up the pitch. Perfect pass over to Hoekstra, who has a really clean look, clean strike, and did exactly what she needed to do with it. I thought it was an excellent shot from Hoekstra. Obviously beats the keeper for the goal to equalize. Big time finish from Tina Oakstra. I mean, she's been good also, but not 100% clinical, but that was a no doubter. Like She got a hold of that one and that environment must have been wild. Um, we do say goodbye to Roma. Salute to them. I thought they played great. They had a great Champions League group stage, Group C, Group of Life. Super gutsy performance led by their captain, Elisa Bartoli, who we mentioned. The assist on that one, who else but Manuela Giuliano who sadly was subbed off right at the half. Another ITC favorite, Valentina Giacinti, also subbed off a bit early, right around the 60th minute mark. Evelyn Viennes, her and, and Javi on the other side, they had really good games. Yep. I think once Giacinti and Giuliano went out, it was going to be tough. But I think Giacinti was sort of attracting so much attention that it kind of gave Viennes and Javi a chance to cause some trouble um, up the left and right hand side. Not enough, though, to keep Roma alive. Great run for them, though. Got to be tough. 32 minutes in, they were sitting in one of those knockout stage spots, but the last hour of the group stage just didn't break their way. So we'll keep an eye on them as they progress with regard to their season in Serie A Femenil. Shout out to them. Very much enjoyed watching them. One of the highlights of the tournament, I think. I think you, this is another one that I felt like you identified early. Giuliano to Giacinti, great stuff. Through six matches, you know, had some had some rough spots in there. Uh, against PSG, but it's one of those pleasant surprises. We talk about it all the time. We're picking up information as we come along. We're finding new players. We're finding new squads. And this Roma side is one of the highlights there for me. Looking forward to to watching them play domestically and then hopefully seeing them back in the Champions League because, like you mentioned, it's not just the Giuliano and uh, Giacinti show. they got a lot of good players on that side. 100%. Let's shift gears here. There's another Group C, Group of Life, Group of Death matchup. Bayern hosting Paris Saint-Germain. The stats tell a slightly different story, but I felt like PSG spent most of the game chasing. Maybe half a step behind what Bayern was doing, or at the very least, not really able to predict what Bayern was about to do. So that put us in a position where PSG wasn't really able to lean totally and absolutely on their athleticism, Mm -hmm. but they were able to break through nonetheless. Bayern had more crosses in this one than PSG, 26 to 14, more corners as well, nine to five in that department. So I think that's kind of why my mind was playing tricks on me. The stats outside of that were pretty well balanced. I thought Viga Stotier for Bayern was excellent in the back. I've heard quite a bit about her and I kind of maybe didn't see it until this match. You know, I know she snuck in to the Guardians top 100. I think she was uh, toward the bottom of the list, but she was Mm. excellent. She also got the assist on Bayern's first goal. Bayern obviously needed 
to win this one is Ajax held the tiebreaker over them. And um, this one was a battle. We talked about kind of how back and forth it went. But what are you going to remember from this one? It's funny to, that you that you frame it that way because it's like a and I, I know I talk about German football a lot because it's just like they are an ever looming presence in world football since the beginning of our lives. Obviously, on the men's and women's side, it's just like a working class. Like we're big, we're tough. You know, we'll knock you around, but we're also very concerned about our technical ability. And there is a, a discipline that kind of like hovers over the entire footballing culture. And sometimes when you just have athletes like Sandy Baltimore and Chiwinga and uh, Mary Antoinette Katoto, sometimes being workmanlike and organized in defense still hard to deal with that, it turns out. Uh, you, yep. You're obviously not going to win every match, but with Sandy Baltimore... On a team full of great athletes, she still stands out athletically. 100%. The stepovers, the quickness of those, the ability to get the pass off fast, the, the decisiveness inside the 18 on ripping a shot. I mean, you're guaranteed, no matter how you try to hold them off, there are going to be pieces of the match that are going to be a track meet against PSG. And I think we saw that play out in the spots where PSG needed it most. Yeah, Absolutely. That first spot, I mean, they really had trouble getting into dangerous areas. I'll say mm-hmm. that. And I think they also had trouble taking the ball off of Bayern. You know, I mean, I think, you know, Bayern knew what to do. They were just half a step ahead. There was one play in particular. So at this point, Bayern's up 1-0. Vin gets the goal in the first half to put Bayern up 1. PSG not really able to get the ball in any kind of dangerous areas. They had a couple, couple of clean looks, but off a Bayern corner... Pico, the uh, PSG keeper, immediately grabs the ball, skies it past the halfway line. The ball bounces almost 10 or 12 yards past Chewinga, but she, she she's able to run onto it, muscle away Tuva Hansen, and then squirt and dash past Maria Gross to get PSG back into knockout stage position. Tremendous run and finish. I mean, she just she hit the turbo and uh, she, she got PSG level. That was an incredible, incredible moment team really really needed it their offense was definitely kind of stalling up to that point for sure and i throw around the term like working class and like kind of hard nose when i talk about german football but that play by tabita chewinga that's that's working class spirit that is like okay we're i'm having a hard time breaking through on this but i am never ever letting off the gas like i'm just gonna go 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 like you i will not be deterred that ball takes the bounce it takes a big bounce, and you know right then she's, like, like you said, turbo time, and I'm, I'm going for it. And the finish had to be right, or, or else it's kind of an embarrassing miss, and, and she hits it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, that was just a big, big money play. <laughs> Love to see that oh, yeah. um, if, you're, if you're on the PSG side. Two minutes later, though, Ugh. Bayern <laughs> pulled one right back, very German fashion. What do you remember from that one? Who's checking Sydney Lohman? In that spot, she's up for that header. I don't know. Like, obviously, you're going to have your more stout defenders. You have like Amanda Illestad of the world and, and Millie Bright's out there, but she skies for that header. And there aren't, on their best day, even some of the best defenders, you're going to have a hard time keeping her away from that one. Great offense beats a great defense. The ball in from Clara Boole was just right on the money. 
made it really easy. We talk about, you know, maybe splitting credit. Clara Boole deserves a ton of credit there, especially to come back in a big moment less than two minutes later to kind of put Bayern back ahead. But a little bit more drama left in this one. The Sandy Baltimore... (laughs) The goal ends up getting credited as an own goal to one of your lionesses, Georgia Stanway. But in the 88th minute, Sandy Baltimore, literally something out of nothing. She's got the ball, edge of the box, little dance to kind of clear some space. She just must, she's like, all right, there's a bunch of people there. I'm going to try to muscle the ball through, see if something good happens. Uh, And something really good happened. The ball ping pongs off a couple different players. Georgia Stanway, the last one to get a little body part on the ball, finds the back of the net, 2-2, and um, group of life flipped upside down yet again. supporter glasses on i'll just give the disclaimer it felt like the ball was online from baltimore toward the goal so maybe a bit unfair to stanway i don't think that's really what she's concerned about in this moment you know the day after the match is played she probably doesn't care that it was an own goal against her like i think she's just more upset about the the final result but i would also just maybe putting the positive spin on it. Baltimore deserves that goal because you're exactly right. The dance to give herself that little bit of space, she is elite at that skill. I think we talked about like the, the step over speed for her and just like the ability to freeze defenders. And she knows if I can crack this through this little alley that I might have, the keeper is going to be largely screened and she's not going to have a shot at it. So smart play, Almost kind of like speaking of the cross sports references, let me throw the ball down the field. And if I don't get a a long completion in the NFL, maybe I get a pass interference. And so instead of the ball trickling through everybody's legs, it ping pongs off some people and you you still get the goal. Yeah. Got some good news here, buddy, because in my hand, I've got the uh, ITC personal record book. A couple notes. Georgia Stanway, no own goal. Sandy Baltimore, goal. Uh, we keep it moving. <laughs> Mark it. <laughs> L- a little bit more drama in this one. Giovanna Damjanovic had a look at goal in the very, very dying seconds of the match that would have flipped the group again. She puts the ball in the back of the net, but she was offsides by a few yards. Yeah. The crowd went a little wild. She rips her jersey off uh, before anyone was able to figure out kind of what, what went wrong there. But goal wiped off the board. Byron's hopes kind of like came and went in literally an instant. I mean, wh- there was no other way for this group C to wrap. That was the only way that we could have <laughs> closed the book on this group. It had to be insane. It had to be life-affirming and devastating for, for all parties involved. I Quick question. Do you rip the jersey off? We see this in football all the time. And then you see the replay and it's like, you're a mile offside. So do you, the question is, do you rip the jersey off because you're just tunnel vision? I got to get this goal, uh, especially in a spot like that. Do you rip the jersey off because you think you did it and you didn't realize you're offside? Or is it gamesmanship and I rip the jersey off thinking surely they're not going, I'm going to make this look like I was so obviously onside. I'm going to try to trick everybody to be like, well, if she's celebrating like that, she must have been onside. I mean, Damjanovic, smart player, really good player. I think it's the second one. I think she's, I think it's gamesmanship, a little bit of showmanship. She's gonna ma- she's gonna make you raise that flag, right. <laughs> despite her her celebration. Because I, I think the one caveat might be, you know, we we both played sports, and I feel like you know when you put a ball out of bounds or when you committed a foul or when, when something was committed on you. Offside's a little tricky one because you've got to have some peripheral vision. You don't you don't know what's going on, you know, to your left or your right or behind you, and you know, the ball's coming through the air, and you got to make a play on it. So could be a little bit of both, but I yeah. think. 
absolutely, you know, with no VAR, why not rip the jersey off and, and try to see if like <laughs> the crowd rushes the field and before we know it, you know, Bayern's in and PSG's out. Right. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, special guest joins the pod. Really hope you enjoy it. Okay. Very special guest today on the ITC. It's not just the impeccable name pronunciation, not just the ability to effortlessly rise to the occasion when the moment calls for it or the sick accent. This dude, this dude right here brings it. One of the voices of the UEFA Women's Champions League, football commentator extraordinaire, Mr. Cam Pope. We appreciate you hanging out with us, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, that's quite an intro. Uh, I've got to try and live up to it now. Uh, <laughs> you're going to make me blush, but uh, no, thank you guys. Um, thank you for getting in touch with me. And, uh, I, you know, I love talking about this job and um, and I love the away for Women's Champions League. It's been a brilliant tournament. I'm on my second season of it now. Um, and yeah, this one in particular, I think has been great fun. I think that there was um, maybe some worry at the start of the tournament as to whether, um, you know, we just see the big sides cruising through. But, you know, as this week has told us in match day six, you can, you can never predict what's going to happen and to be that person who has the responsibility of calling it is is a is a privilege i don't think i will ever get used to yeah it's been tremendous fun watching speaking of some surprises so you had a match yesterday group a sewn up coming into this one barcelona your winners of group a defending champs benfica your runners up so those two slots are locked in a lack of stakes can sometimes make for sometimes an uneventful match but that isn't what we got to spend Fika side celebrating their first ever trip to the knockout stage match day six on their home turf. And it isn't every week that Barcelona comes to town. We like to call these on the ITC absolute bangers. And that's what we got. You had the call Benfica four, Barcelona four. What are you going to remember about this one? Honestly, it's, it's a bit of a blur. I mean, um, I felt that sometimes you go through a, like a channel of, uh, kind of, kind of dull games as a commentator. You always want to be on the big game. You always want to be on the exciting game. Um, but I knew when I had, um, an Nil nil last week. Um, these games start to blur, but I believe it was Slavia and Zach Pilt, and that was nil nil. Yeah, and then I had the Barcelona game against Eintracht Frankfurt, and there were only two goals in that one. And you know, when Barcelona are scoring only two goals, you know, you're in a bit of a dry patch. And so, um, getting that game last night was just incredible. I mean, I, I feared for Benfica at two nil. So, I get an array of games. I cover all sorts of games over the Champions League, and you, you tend to find out in advance. And this year, I'll rewind a little bit so people get a bit of context. But um, we found out from our coordinator our games for the first four match days so the ones that were in 2023 and then we got uh, after the fourth match day we got our next games for match days five and six they were sort of working out um what the big games were going to be and so i was really happy when i got this one i thought I, I imagine that Benfica would need to get a result from it. Uh, and then obviously things transpired. Otherwise, um, and not only were they, you know, already confirmed as through, but we already knew that Barcelona were top in the group and that Benfica were coming second. So there really was essentially nothing to nothing to play for. And so you can sometimes look at these games and you can think, well, this is going to be a bit flat, maybe a bit empty, uh, but it was anything but. And so it's a massive warning uh, to commentators to fans that you can never predict what's going to happen and and sometimes the games you think are going to be uh, absolute bangers as you as you say fall a bit flat but this one just seemed to grow and and the moments to answer your question the moments that stick out i mean the ends of each half are incredible i mean mariali do um maybe not a name that too many fans knew uh, across the european scene before this week but everyone knows her name now um i thought she was a shoo-in for a hat-trick when they left her on uh in the second half and it was quite the performance but it was about more players than just that jessica silva um brilliant hand in the uh in the first goal and then did really well for the third as well i thought that nicole reisler played really well before she came off um and benfica you know they earned it 
they didn't just limp through that group. They've shown that they can they can mix up with the best, like Roma showed this last year. And uh, you know, as, as, I think neutrals might have been disappointed that Barcelona got back into it. But then there was another storyline to it. You know, Barcelona, you can never knock them down. And it was a nice sort of character arc for Lucy Bronze to unfortunately be the one who had to try and clear off the line, and she wasn't able to do that. And then you know, to save her team at the end. And I saw a few Barcelona fans complaining that maybe you know it, it, it's not that big a deal. We had a weak team out, but this is a team that doesn't lose games uh, and they were on the cusp of uh, quite an embarrassing defeat because they started, okay, you could say that they've got plenty of defenders out and that is tough, but still a very, very good squad. And Benfica gave them a real scare. So that, that last 15 minutes um, goes down as one of my favourite quarters of an hour I think I've ever called in football. I believe it. I mean, you look at it from Benfica's side, it's two equalizers and then the go-ahead late in like the 81st minute there on the bronze own goal. If you're a Benfica fan, what do you take from that? I mean, even if Barcelona fans are claiming that they put out a weak side, what what really is a weak side from Barcelona? But if you're on the Benfica supporter side, are you marching into the knockout stages? Like, look at us. Like, we can really compete here. I think they've got to fancy themselves now. And I'm really excited for the draw on Tuesday um, and seeing who they get. Because obviously they can't get Barcelona. That much we know because you can't get teams from the same group. But then, yeah, you, you're, looking at, you're looking at Lyon and you're thinking, all right, not infallible. They dropped points twice in the group stage. Uh, I've done a lot of them in uh, in Dayanakima because I do Liga FA and Dayanakima also for the zone. Um, they look a strong side, but we've now seen that both those teams are human and they'll think, well, if we did that against Barcelona, why can't we do that against Lyon? Um, then you're looking at, okay, it's it's going to be a tricky one coming up against against Chelsea. But the way that, that, that Paris Saint-Germain looked, it's it's yeah, maybe that's the one that they want because it was, it was a crazy finish to Group C, wasn't it? So it's Ajax and then uh, Paris Saint-Germain, right, because of the head-to-head. And I think they're really fancy themselves in that. I think they really fancy themselves in that because it's going to be um, a really interesting now to see if they can carry on from it. So yeah, I, th- I think that Benfica fans can take a lot of confidence out of that. I don't think they have to fear anybody going into the last day. And I think conversely, other teams might have thought, well, I don't think we fancy Benfica right now, having seen them score four goals against Barcelona. So it's been a really nice setup at the end of the group stage. Absolutely. On the flip side of that, you mentioned like Barca fans might be saying, Oh, we had a weaker side out there. It's, I believe the stat that's floating around here, it's their first match that they didn't win uh, in 23 matches across all comps. Is it that easy to blow it off and say, eh, we didn't have our best team out there? I think it was a shock. I think it was a shock even that they were in the game for so long because, you know, they've not lost since before the Champions League final. They had a little rough patch when they were preparing. They dropped points against, um, was it Sevilla or Valencia in the league? I forget now. And then Madrid Club de Football Femenino when they lost. Uh, and then and then they've gone on this mad winning streak. And so, yeah, I, I think it is hard to brush off because I think it's been threatened a couple of times. Eintracht Frankfurt on another day, they have chances. If Lara Prashnikar scores a chance at, I think it was nil-nil at the time, it's a very, very different game. Um, and okay, they've come off a swashbuckling win against Levante and, and, and nobody can question it. When a big game comes up, Barcelona turn it on. I think their danger is maybe complacency in the games where you're not expecting much from your opposition. You know, I, I sort of expect them to, to beat Real Madrid every time, to beat Levante every time, Atleti. Um, but, you know, if they come up against a, a side like Hecken, they could have trouble in a first leg. However, don't get me wrong. I don't think we're going to see this leading to a massive downturn from <laughs> Barcelona. And I still think that uh, it takes a brave person to bet against them winning all four competitions. Such a big difference between, you know, a domestic league season where 
one result, two results, or a half of football here, half of football there, it can't quite sink you the way that a knockout stage can. You know, so to that point, a tricky result the first time, maybe going to Gothenburg to play a hack in and maybe it's a nil-nil. And now like it it gets real nervy really quick. And I think on the Benfica point, you know, they lost five nil match day one to that same Barcelona side. So I kind of feel like we've seen them grow up a little bit through this tournament. You know, also no Kika Nazareth the last two matches. You know, Jessica Silva, the match before, um, you know, she had a great sort of coming out party because I think that was like, you know, her first big splash of the group stage. Just looks like a different ball club. They do. They have grown. And um, I, I think they are the, the, I think they're the, maybe the dark horses for an upset. Uh, and again, it does, it does depend who they go. In fact, yeah, I got it wrong. It's, it is, it's PSG who are seeded. So they are a possible, they're a possible opponent. And, and, and I think that's the one that they want. I think that's the one that they want because they've shown themselves to be human um, in Dayan Um Chelsea, I put in that middle ground between OL and Barcelona, but you know they can look back at the way they've grown over that group stage and especially from the year before as well because we can't forget they lost 9-0 to Barcelona uh, and, and, and they, they've, yeah, they've really yeah. turned it on. They, okay, And they lost Chloe Lacasse as well, but they've replaced her. Mary Ali Du, she scored as many goals as Carolina Graham Hansen, I think, in all competitions this season. Um, and I, oh. I think, yeah, they've, they've really grown as a side, Lucia Alves, I was really impressed with. I think they missed her against Horse and Gord the week before um, from the yellow cards because yep. she does throw herself into a challenge. There was a, there was no, there's no debate in that. Um, but they're a really exciting team to watch, and I think you're absolutely right, Dino. Um, knockout football is, is a different beast. We've seen how exciting group stages can be. The tension and one wrong move can can can, can set the tone for the whole of the 180 minutes. And so, you know, there is an advantage to being seeded. Of course there is and having that van- advantage going into the second leg, but you still, you have to hit the ground running. And I think that we have to talk about Hecken too, who have been playing all of this in like their pre-season, haven't they? I think that's just incredible. The fact that they've had a really horrible end to the season where they lost out by, I think it was one goal differential. They lost out in the Damo Spenskin to Hammerby. Um, and they picked themselves up. They lost a couple of players and they're going, right, we're going again. Because I did Beko Hecken's game uh, the day before against Real Madrid, which was <laughs> which was not as eventful. And um, yeah, I think if they can hold on to Rosa Kafaji, because she's another one who's going to be on the list now for a lot of big clubs, isn't she? What a player. Um, if they can hold on to her, they've got a player called um, Matilda Nildane, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Who is a teenager from Aiko Stockholm who scored 23 goals in 25 games or something ridiculous? So they're going to have all these players coming back wow. in. Ellen Rubinson is with them as well, having been injured for so long. They've got Anna Cheeky come back after over a year. Um, yeah, they, they, if they can, they're having a little break now, but they'll be building up towards the start of their season. I think they'll have already started the Swedish Cup. And so, yeah, we can't write them off as well. So I don't think there's an easy draw. I don't think there's an easy draw. Look how good Bran have been. I've not had the pleasure of watching them yet. But, um, you know, they were, they were like the smallest <laughs> coefficient in, the, in, in round two. It was at Glasgow <laughs> City that they beat. And it's just, uh, they've they, again, they, they have nothing to fear going into these games. And so we could definitely see those four seeded teams going through and say no more about it. But I think there's going to be at least over the, the, the all the legs that will be played, I think there's going to be one shock at least. So this is the part of the program we have to we have to disclose, Cam. This is an extremely pro Braun podcast. <laughs> C- Senior Gobset, Raquel Engesvik, just Aurora Mickelson, everybody across mm-hmm. the board. We love this squad. We have a ton of viewers uh, from 
Norway who have been just amazing. Like the Bergen, the Braun Battalion is like way behind the show. And it's just because we've totally bought into them. Love that club. That's brilliant. I mean, I, I'm, I, you know, you always want a variety of, of clubs to follow. And it just so happens that I've not, I've not done Brand yet. And I'd love, <laughs> I would love the chance to take over one of their games. And um, we'll just have to see how it pans out. But what this, what a story it is. Um, I mean, nobody gave him a chance. No one gave him a prayer. And, 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 yeah. and the way they've come on, and they didn't seem to run out of steam either. You know, it wasn't like uh, Hecken who maybe started well and then looked like they had a little bit of a fade in the middle and you wondered. And um, no, no, they've, they've got every right to be there. And I think it's great for the women's game because we had a lot of talk in, you know, I'm based in England. Um, I live in Manchester. And um, yeah, there was a lot of people, a lot of WSL fans who were unhappy to only have Chelsea going through. Arsenal dumped out by, by Paris FC. Mm-hmm. Manchester United weren't happy to draw PSG, okay, a side who've now got to the last eight again. Um, but I think this just goes to show that there shouldn't be this almost divine right uh, of clubs from the big the big leagues to go straight waltzing through to the competition. Mm-hmm. I know the format is going to change in a couple of years, but I think it's really important because, look, we've got a team from Norway, we've got a team from Sweden, we've got a team from Portugal and, and the Netherlands. These aren't the big leagues across Europe, and they've still done enough to get there. So, no, I think, I think it's really good that it's panned out that way. And so, yeah, um, <laughs> any Norwegians listening, I mean, uh, I hope I haven't uh, murdered the, the, the pronunciation of your, uh, your favourite club. Um, but yeah, we will see. If I do get them in a the quarterfinal, uh, trust me, I'll be tapping up every Norwegian I know to help me out with those names. But good luck to them and good luck to everyone because it's been a great tournament. Special shout out to you also for uh, pronunciation. I know we get a lot of help from you just hearing how you uh, are pronouncing some of these names because some of them are tricky to find. You mentioned Dark Horses early. I think we've identified a few at least, Benfica, Hackenside, and Braun. Anyone in particular that you think, and it sounds like you think PSG might be the most gettable of those winners, any matchup or any kind of like Cinderella story that you think you might be looking at? I think it's it's it's, it's hard to say. And and as a commentator, I want to be um, conscious of not putting a narrative on a game. You know, um, you can't, I don't think you can search for one. So we spoke before we went on air, guys, didn't we, about Clive Tildesley. I know that he's quite iconic in the States. He's iconic here too, uh, and quite rightly. Man's a legend, um, and I, I, I've spoken to him a few times actually um, for advice, for tips, for feedback, and something that he, he, um, he and, and and others have passed on too. I spoke to um, some some brilliant radio commentators, and they said that you know you are a journalist first and foremost, and so um, as a fan, we love to predict, don't we? We love to say, oh, wouldn't it be great if one of these small teams got through to the last four? Um, but I'm yeah, always wary of dressing it up too much in advance because you know uh, it might well be that all four teams get beat eight 0 on the first leg, and and. I I have to I have to be true to that uh, but on the pronunciations actually um well, well firstly thank you very much but I feel quite strongly about this because so I I had an unusual route into broadcasting and I I did a modern languages degree and so I was always very very big on languages so I, I had a bit of help with the kind of Spanish and French names but um, whilst it's, it's nice when people recognize that you're pronouncing names right and it is really nice to see on social media when people um, commend you and also people have pulled me up as well and made me refine certain ones I keep getting Jackie Hernan wrong I'm very sorry to any Dutch um, uh, to any Dutch listeners who had to hear me say Jackie Gronen. Um I honestly think it's the bare minimum for um, commentators and I think as, as broadcasters not just commentators all broadcasters it's our responsibility because these players have earned their, their way and, and, and a lot of them fought through adversity to be at the top of the game um, and the very least we can do is pay respect by getting the names right. So thank you. But it's, um, yeah, I think that football in particular has a long way to go um, before we uh, meet the standards. But it's getting there. I'm glad you brought that up because when we were watching 
the World Cup this past summer, it was pretty clear that the coverage that we at least got in the US was, you know, not quite dismissive, but didn't quite meet the level of what we were watching. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, girls are just going out there, giving it their all. And I'm like, we kind of also recognize there's just a real gap here with regard to talking about this sport in a way that really just treats it like a sport, you know, where you're just watching the best of the best and the storylines are incredibly captivating and there's so much there. And we've had trouble also, you know, Grant, you mentioned this, like looking up injury news and, you know, just, like it's, it's just had kind of hard to find information. So we kind of took it upon ourselves to, to go on this journey, which has been really rewarding thus far. Well, good on you guys, because um, yeah, it is hard to find information at times in the women's game because I commentate on men's football as well. And there's just an abundance of, of material out there. So um, when I first came into covering the women's game, and this is about... Uh, this is about 18 months ago now uh, and it was a, it was a big it was, I, I was very lucky actually it was a big break for me because I've done radio football for a couple of years uh, I really wanted to break into telly as well and, and do the two strands um, and I'd done I'd commentate on tennis too and so I'd done tennis on, on TV but I was still trying and, and failing to get into TV football and it just so happened that um, DAZN one of the companies I work for um they acquired the summer that England won the women's Euros. Uh, they acquired the rights to Liga Efe. And um, I, I, I randomly got a, got a call from a producer. He said that, look, um, the season starts uh, next week. We've acquired the rights for Liga Efe. We're going to do three matches a weekend. We need a commentator who is based near the studio. And he just heard from a colleague that they had this guy called Cam who did tennis, who lived nearby. And um, he said, do you know about football? I was like, Yeah. And um, he was like, look, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to get, um, it's going to be quite hard to get information on this league, I imagine. And he's not wrong. You know, it's hard to get information on the WSL at times in England. So getting information on the Spanish league is difficult. He said, so, you know, we'll give you a try and just see him, see if it works out. And I just said, well, I have a Spanish degree. And he went, really? Oh, you're in. Uh, It was like, oh, great. Um, So it threw me in the deep end and, and, you know, I did a, probably a woeful commentary it was like i think it was atletico de madrid against sporting de Huelva, and it was uh three no and i limped through it uh but like you know doing doing my best to try and piece together this this um this jigsaw this puzzle of of, of facts that were so hard to get and so but when you do dig it's really rewarding because you do find that that information is out there you just have to work and so guys, guys like you doing this this podcast and and anyone who's trying to share the women's game i think is is playing a part in the growth of it now because i um, i'd watched a bit of women's football before i always followed the lionesses um i'd seen the wsl on tv um i'm now a full convert and i have been for 18 months because i was like right this is my in into the industry and women's football has given me this and so i'm going to give it back you know i want i want to whatever league i do i want to do this to the very best of my ability and i want to you know bring it up i want to enhance the um the experience for for, for the viewers like i did the first game they televised and that was a massive privilege and so yeah I, I think i think it is really important that we give it the respect that it deserves and sometimes commentators have asked like do you commentate on 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 women's football differently to men's and i think it's important that we don't um by and large but uh i am and especially as well as a man um you know as a, as a cis man i i i try to make sure that um i look out for anything that might come across as condescending or maybe inadvertently offensive because um most of the time when commentators do things that people don't like it's not intentional and um and so sometimes you know i i, I wouldn't talk ill of any colleagues but um, you know, sometimes the the standard, like in any job, does fall short of what might be expected. But that can sometimes be from an off day, and um, and something sometimes it's just a difficult game, and it 
it, uh, it, it puts you down an avenue and you get a bit stuck. But um, I think, yeah, th- sometimes we have to remember that that, that, that this is an elite game and uh, that we can't lose sight of that. It has to be given the same amount of respect and players have to be talked about like, like athletes, you know? Um, and so I think, I think it is, is changing as women's football rightly finds its place in the mainstream now. Um, and, and as that happens, I think that, that, that levels of coverage are going to go up. I'd like to think it's because people are getting used to it being um, broadcast more and not a lack of respect. Um, I think, you know, that's a, there, there are those who do indulge in that are in a, are in a minority. And there are a lot of broadcasters out there who do put some big work into supporting women's football. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's a curve that everyone is learning on. And I think we just have to make sure that we keep, we keep uplifting the women's game. Really well said, Cam. I, I think that was one thing that Dino and I talked about a lot during the Women's World Cup is like that tinge of condescension. And Dino mentioned it. You touched on it as well of like, oh, you know, the girls are out there having fun. Like in America, like after a youth game, people have orange slices and juice boxes after. It's like we're watching elite athletes. These athletes don't look at themselves like they're out there playing exhibitions like they're like the patronization of this sport. I think you're totally right. That's in the rearview mirror now, man. Like this is big money. This is big stakes. And these are the greatest athletes in the world that we're watching. And so I think you're totally right. The the people with those like kind of small minded views, we're just past them now. We can, I mean, we'll have to shout them down occasionally, but get them out of here. That's it. I I mean, everyone's seen Itana Bomati play. Tell me that's not an elite player. You know, it's like, um, it's, 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 and I think like, um, it, it does dismay me sometimes when I when I hear those like lazy tropes be brought out, and it's not it, often. It's from it's from fan media uh, dismissive remarks about women's football, um, but we do see it from you know from federations too. And you can't ignore the the problems yeah. that particularly the Spanish federation have had because I followed that um, because of the league and the World Cup, and you know to win to win the World Cup in, in in spite of all the things that were going on behind the scenes, you know it's 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 some achievement. But it wasn't even just Spain. Um, I think a, a couple of the African nations were having trouble, weren't they? Was it Nigeria? I believe were having trouble on the way to the World Cup. Zambia yeah. as well. Um, so it's it, it, it's sad that we have to talk about things other than football so often with women's football. And and, and that's it. We, I hope that that kind of side of coverage is going to get weeded out now, and we are going to move forward to towards just uplifting it as the professional entity that it is. And even even the leagues that aren't fully professional, it's like well, the players are in every sense, uh, in every other sense. You know, the standard, the the commitment that they put into it and I, I would like to think that is getting realized now but as broadcasters we have a responsibility to make sure that we're doing our homework that this is not a, a training ground um this is every yeah. bit as valid as any other game that you do that shouldn't have to say that you know um and whilst you know commentary is a is a difficult job and people have off days and you know i i had a terrible game a few weeks ago and it, you know and, it, and it's a great leveler because we all have those days where you say something and you think oh I don't like how that sentence sounded in retrospect. I hope no one took it the wrong way. And, and that does happen. Um, but yeah, I think consistent use of those stereotypes needs to go. And I think it is starting to go now. Yeah. And with, with the game trending in the right direction, I want to bring it back onto the pitch. There's also a huge uh, you know, influx of young talent that kind of have a hard time wrapping your head around. You know, you look at like a Lily Johannes or a Senior Galpset, even Salma Parayuela, you forget how young... She still is. Rosa Kafaji, you saw her, you know, up close and, and saw what she was able to do. 
after, you know, getting her penalty kick saved against Inadozi the week prior, you know, so I think she's still 20 years old. You wonder how a 20 year old is going to bounce back from that. And then, you know, she's obviously running alongside Yusuba in that hack and match, who's also early 20s as well. So it also feels like we're going to get a whole new crop of, you know, the next Bon Matisse and just an exciting time for the sport. What have you seen from the young players? I won't ask you a forward looking question just to, you know, keep it journalistically on the up and up. But what have you seen group stage? from this next generation. I think it's really exciting. I think that the future is in really good hands. You know, Kavaji is an excellent example of it. I think she is 20, isn't she? Uh, off the top of my head. I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture my prep notes in, in my head there. And, uh, and, and, and she's got a fascinating backstory as well. You know, that girl has had to work so hard for everything. Um, I was speaking to my colleague, Marcus Berland, who is um, a Swedish commentator. We spoke uh, before each hack and game that I did. He gave me like the lowdown on the um, Swedish news. I would speak to him about the French and Spanish teams. And one, thing he, he said he, he translated for me bless him a um, it's a really long article from swedish into english about rosa kafaji and she'd um grown up on uh i believe it was in like the uh, quite a rundown suburb of stockholm and had had to you know, talk about the battles of just getting to training and so many players we've seen have had to um work so hard just to get to this level uh, she had a really horrible injury when she when she first joined hecken i think she broke a leg and that delayed her uh, their debut but now she's come into the side she started to perform you know still as a teenager she was and then um to step up for that penalty Okay, wasn't a great pen. Uh, Nadozia with one of the uh, one of the best goalkeeping performances I've seen. And that's another player who's had to fend off adversity. Um, but yeah, to stand up there and then to be the one, and I know it wouldn't have mattered in the end, but I think it's a massive boost for Hecken having done it of the you know on their own steam, winning that game against Real Madrid. It was it was a brilliant moment for her because um, over the games that I saw her play, she was she was outstanding. Um, and not not just for her. I think you're right to mention Monica Yushuba. Um, Barcelona have always had a steady conveyor belt of young talent. Salma Paris. It's I can't believe she was a Real player a couple of years ago, and it just seems she's been at Barcelona forever, and is this stalwart of the team? Um, yeah. You know, and, and I haven't done Ajax yet, but Lily Johannes, you know, sixteen years old, it's crazy. Um, and and even you know, I, I'm still getting over the fact that so I'm, I'm 26, and so I think Aitana is the same age as me, and she's the best football player in the world. You know, my my my, my skills aren't even good enough for the for the park around the corner. So you know, it, it's so much respect for these players. But then the fact that there's players who are a decade younger than me and are at this level, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. I think um, there was a team in Dayanakima. I want to say it was. It was a team from Brittany. It might have been Bordeaux. I think it was Bordeaux. And they had an injury to their main goalkeeper, who I think off the top of my head is Justine Laurent. And they had to put 15-year-old Mighty Mendiburu in net for three games. A 15-year-old <laughs> playing top division football. You know, it's 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 it's, it's crazy. Like, But then these players could have a two-decade career ahead of them. And, you know, they're getting this experience now at this level then it, the, it really bodes well for the future. And so um, I think we've got to be careful not to put too much pressure on these young players because they are still young players, still sure. growing a lot of them as well, um, still finding out who they are. And, you know, we've talked far too much about injuries in the women's game. And um, sadly, it does just take one injury to, to derail a career, um, a promising one. But, you know, I think there will be more to come from these players and the fact that they're gathering this experience, whether we see some of them move to bigger teams, whether we see some stay in leagues like the Swedish one, um, that remains to be seen. But I'm, I'm just full of excitement now for where women's football is going. And we saw the gap closing, didn't we, at the Women's World Cup? You know, <laughs> we used to see the USA run riot. And, um, you know, it, it was nice as, as, as a semi-neutral to see that, that field be, be, be drawn in. That game against Sweden, I'm sure you guys might not agree, but it was incredible to watch uh, from this side 
decided upon because it was a thriller and um I, I had some work. Uh, I used to do some uh, content writing, some editorial work, and uh, they drafted me in to do the women's football. And so I had to write a predictor piece for every game at the World Cup. And in the first round of games, I was predicting some mammoth scorelines like the ones we saw four years ago, and they didn't materialize. And I'm so happy with that. So the fact that the standard of player, young player coming through now is so strong, I think is, is, is all part of that. Absolutely. Obviously, we are surrounded with... Team USA fans, I believe uh, Musevic still lives in the nightmares of of many of those fans. Just in, I mean, I realize this is not exactly breaking news. One of the most incredible performances from a goalkeeper I, I can recall. Yeah, Zetra Musevic. Um, I, yeah, I, I haven't covered Chelsea this season either. I've not done the only WSL team in the competition, um, but she's, oh, wow. she's very highly thought of, uh, very highly thought of. And it, again, that's something that I really don't like from people who don't follow women's football and they love to throw out you know outdated montages of, of, of goalkeepers from you know an under 17s match dropping a ball like who's not seen that in men's football come on get real it's like you know there are some fabulous yeah. there are some fantastic goalkeepers out there Chamaka Nadozia was sensational sensational in that game against Hecken um, yeah. you know that, that that ultimately they came up short but that could have kept them in the Champions League they gave them a fighting chance and okay um, it rather made my game kind of a dull affair <laughs> when Chelsea were tuning up so quickly I was kind of hoping that um, I, at least I'd be lent I'd be given some help by the fact that the game might be live in terms of importance for a bit um, but then you know you have to call it as you see it and as soon as Chelsea raced into the lead that wasn't the case but no it, it's in good hands at the moment it was great to see Hacken, you know, obviously the only way to guarantee their advancing was to get all three points. And even when the game wasn't in doubt, just to see how they defended. Can a team ride that defensive strategy? Can they one nil their way to the semifinals or the oh, final? Is that is that even I, a thing? I, I think it's difficult if you get um if you get Barcelona. Uh, you know, keeping them stopping them from scoring is difficult. Look at look at Benfica, they had to score four and they still couldn't win it in the end. Um yeah. Yeah, somebody somebody could kind of camp on the edge of their own box and and, and and bed in, and I think that can be really entertaining when it happens. Um, you don't need goals to to have a good game. I did an excellent nil nil draw between Slavia and Zach Pilton um, earlier on in the Champions League. It was really thrilling, and yeah, like it could transpire that way. I mean, my, one of the first, probably the first major tournament I remember as a fan was uh, men's Euros in 2004 and that Greece team you know they didn't play exciting football they seemed to win every game 1-0 they got themselves to the final and they pulled off one of the greatest shocks in modern football history um, so yeah who's to say they couldn't and you know I I, 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 I think it would be very likely that we could see uh, um, a Barcelona Lyon final if the draw pans out that way uh, still despite how great these teams have been and we can't forget the work they've done even if they do all go out these unseeded unseeded teams in the last eight um, but that could be that could be the way it goes you know they, they, they've, they've, they've shown now that they're all capable of, of, of doing something good of doing something dangerous so we'll have to just wait and see so we've touched across a lot of the elite players in this tournament and I'm glad to hear you talk about uh, Shimaka Inadozi uh, a couple times because she's been one of our favorite players of the tournament. It, I mean, she looked like a prize fighter out there uh, last week. She had, the, she had to get her head wrapped. It was just an unbelievable instinctive performance with combined with intelligence. Like she was just diving over balls, all this stuff. But this is a long way of asking, as the tournament goes so far from the group stage, we're not going to ask you to do a starting 11, 
But if we, if you were looking at a starting 11, who are the couple players who you're like, well, I cannot leave them out? So, I mean, the obvious one is to go with the likes of Itana and Caroline and Graham Hansen. So I'm not going to give you those ones because everybody knows that, okay? They're the best players in, in, in the world. Right. Um Nadozia is in goal. She's been brilliant. Although we've seen some, we've seen some excellent goalkeeping performances as well in other games. I thought Lena Powell's okay. She let in four goals, but I think she played really well. She got man of the match in the game uh, last night. Um, I've had other ones as well where goalkeepers have really stood up well. Um, I think Nadozia is the one that gets it uh, for me. Um, I think you'd put Kafaji in there. Uh, maybe not on penalties, but uh, yeah, you, you put him in the field. Um, I really liked Anna Anvergord as well, the uh, heck and winger. Thought yeah. that she was impressive. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to say off the uh, off the off the top of your head, but um, sure. those are the, the the key players who stood up and, and, and were counted in 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 key moments. Um, but they were unlikely heroes as well. I still think back to Selena Aldosin, who um, the centre back for for Paris FC, who just found herself five yards out from goal and drew the uh, and, and 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 drew the foul for the um, for Gaetan Tine's, uh penalty. And, and she's another legend that you have to put in Gaetantina just for the, the, the experience. Um, yeah. But the, oh, yeah. there, there have been moments for so many different players across the tournament um, that, that had so many standout figures. Uh, I think Lucia Albish, from what I saw from her last night, would also go in there for me. Um, she's really tricky down the wing. She's been a regular for Benfica and for Portugal as well. Um, she's a real handy player. And, and maybe Jessica Silva, uh, the way that she's been. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot to be said about that Benfica team. And so that's a, that's a bit of a vague answer. But uh, over the players I've seen, I think there's a few candidates for that for that eleven. Love that you mentioned Selena Hossein. She is she is an ITC favorite. Uh, more of a slight build for a center back, but she is out there. We joke she's out there running 100 miles per hour, which I think is roughly 161 kilometers per hour. And she's just out there as a bulldozer. Uh, she's fantastic to watch. She seems to fear to fear nobody. Um, and 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 I think you know we're not we've, we've moved away in recent years from the archetypal center half. Who um, you know I, I think when I was when I was playing. Yeah. Um, when I was a junior, I was always tall, so they put me at centre back because they thought, "Oh, that's where the big lads go." I couldn't have the ball to save my life. That didn't stop it, you know. So it doesn't. You don't necessarily need to be <laughs> six foot five and and a huge with, with with you know quarterback size to to kind of play centre back role. You know, you have to be a good footballer, and Celine Celine seen is. Um, and so I think as well the level of football we've seen in this tournament has been better as well just you can see the improvement i, I did um the tournament as well last year that was uh, my first running of it um but i think across the board just the standard is so much higher already in 12 months i mean we saw big improvements uh, all is a perfect one just within this tournament you know now she's finds herself like more up the field and i think defensively it seems to be more about the instincts now than the body type or you know like the physical tools it's really just that kind of like the positioning that makes such a huge difference i think you can learn as well because let's talk about ingrid engen uh who has had to fill in i've almost forgot that she was a center midfielder because i've seen her so many times at center back and and and, and barcelona i do feel for them because okay irene paredes just had was ill coming into the game uh, mapi leon has had surgery um who else is missing jana fernandez um so it's, you know, it's 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 quite an injured list to have and the fact that they've had to throw in um marta torrejon who's been splitting her time with right back and then Ingrid Engen who um, made a brilliant stop in the in the Super Copa final uh, it was nil nil Katakoi lost the ball um, I think it was Mera Ramirez who had the shot and then um, then Engen saved Barcelona on the line could have been a diff different game uh, so it's it's more about just being a, 
a good technical footballer. And that's true of the men's game as well. You know, it, yeah. it, it doesn't, you don't necessarily need to be throwing yourself headlong into a challenge. Um, and, and I've got full respect for players who can play out of position and play in different areas of the field because uh, Jonathan Heraldes was saying, he said, I've got a few players in positions they're not used to playing, but we're coming into the most important part of the season now for Barcelona. And I need my players to be flexible and um, I need everyone to be ready to do their bit for the team. I had a follow-up question about the teams and kind of how they match up. You know, we like to kind of go cross-board a little bit with some comparisons, throw some American football in there, throw some boxing in there. I have a little bit of a boxing background. And one of the old adages is, you know, the this idea that styles make fights. And, you know, you obviously were able to see Madrid kind of up close, either in the group stage or through Liga F. And it feels like a Madrid, like Hacken just had their number. I also think about PSG and Roma, like PSG coming off their first two group stage matches, no points, no goals. And then they get two wins against Roma, who was kind of on a tear at that point. And it just seems like some of the matchups are just bad matchups. It's funny. We say that in tennis as well. So I do uh, the women's tennis tour commentary. And, um, you know, you can pay attention to rankings a little bit if you want. But it's more about how the styles match up. And some players just have really difficult days against certain opponents. And I think that was true of... um, Real Madrid and Hecken in the first game. In the second game, I think that Real Madrid, they, they just looked afraid. They just looked, they looked beaten by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, confidences are low. And we've got to remember that they lost uh, Caroline Weir and you can't legislate for that so early in the season. She was probably the best player in the division um, the season before. Uh, in that, well, certainly in attacking midfield, nobody came close. And missing her goals and her influence is, is difficult. But they have had time. They have had time to, to, to develop, to get used to her absence. And they just haven't got accustomed to it. And... Um, I can always look the more likely to to threaten them. And even when they went behind in the first game, um, they, they always had that. It's not all about belief. I'm, I'm, I'm reticent to just talk about believing and wanting it more because it is a tactical battle. But Macklin had them set up in a way that, yeah. that they could they could penetrate Real Madrid and um, kept them guessing. And so I think that link up they've got between Kafaji and uh, Amber Gord, Yusuba, um, and Larishi as well, because um, she she was injured coming into the Champions League, wasn't she? And um, yeah, she is a talent. I, I I think that that front line, if they can keep them, if they can keep them going into the um, the quarterfinals, they could they could they they could catch in a couple more teams out. Because um, yeah, again, no one will. I don't think there is an easy draw to have now. I don't think gone are the days of having an easy draw. Mm-hmm. And not to say that you know we won't see any high score lines, but this is this is there's there's a few banana skins in there as we as we say over here. Love it, Kim. I'd be interested to know: is there a moment of the group stage that that sticks with you that you're just like, man, that was that was a time? You mentioned the the, the end of the Barcelona Benfica halves. Anything else that you kind of like this time next year? You're going to be like, oh. Remember last year when XYZ? I know happened? straight away what moment it was, and it was the end of match day four um, when Paris FC beat Real Madrid with that Gaetantino penalty. Um, and just the shock, the resignation on the faces of the Real Madrid players. I think it was, because um, I believe it was, it was Terry Abellera who gave away the penalty. I, I think. Oh, I think yeah. it was, and 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 I remember yeah. the the image that stays in my mind because when the full time whistle goes, you know we've got about a minute to wrap up, and you want to make sure you're capturing what's on screen because radio, is, in that sense, is easier because you can paint it the way that you see fit, but you have to match it up in TV, obviously, with what the viewer is seeing because I could be talking about Terry Abiera and it could be um, picturing Guy Tantino, but um, there was just this shot of Claudia Sornosa who just looked aghast. Um, you know, there, there, there were two headlines, a brilliant um, resurrection from Paris, but Real Madrid eliminated with two games to go. It was scarcely believable. And just seeing the reaction from Alberto Toril 
uh, knowing that he was beaten. It helped the fact that there was a late goal in the game because it was an exciting game and low-scoring affair as well. Um, but that was the moment where I thought, wow, I've witnessed something special. That It shocked me in the sense that, you know, you do you try not to predict what's going to happen, but you, you know what you expect. And I think, yeah, seeing Real Madrid flop out like that, because I, something that I... I couldn't believe, I, I prepped this stat for my Real Madrid match this week against Hekim, and they've only beaten three teams in the group stage. I think it's it's Blasnia from uh, last season. I did one of those games. And then the season before, it was Breitablik and um, Zilabud, I think it was, from Ukraine. And so you know, the fact that they've again failed to get a single win, it's, 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 it's staggering. It's staggering. And so that, for me, was this kind of crowning moment that's up there with those last mad few minutes um from barcelona because in the context of the champions league that won't be quite as important even though it was it was it was a crazy period seeing real madrid drop out the way they did that yeah that i'll remember that excellent i i think it would be you know again dino being in uh, orlando florida me being in seattle washington i don't want to throw you totally on the spot here it was announced this morning over here asasat oshwala transfer to Bay FC in the NWSL. That's our team out here in San Francisco. $162,000 transfer fee. I'm, I'm just kind of curious, over there, you know, what kind of eye uh, do you guys have on the NWSL? See, um, that's really interesting because I got the news for the Barcelona team news. And, I, you know, I, I get it normally at the same time as, as fans do. Um, sometimes a little later. <laughs> sometimes I'm on Twitter looking at it like you guys are. Um, but um, And I'd, I saw UEFA reporting that Aziza Oshwala hadn't travelled. And I, you know, we'd already seen, okay, we know that her deal is up and we'd heard the rumours about her going to the States. Because whenever a big player leaves their club now, you think the States is where they're going to be heading. Um, and yeah, so I'm not at all. I'm not at all surprised. I've actually learned that from you guys now because I've been in the garage with my car getting it sorted today. So I haven't seen that news, oh, but I'm happy for her because she she was brilliant. She was brilliant last season for Barcelona. But Amazing. the problem is, um, and it's not a problem for Barcelona, but Carolina Graham Hansen. They've got such an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> so good. I mean, so good. She she is like living her her best footballing life. And another player who's had to battle. Um, but it's hard because there just isn't room for all of those 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 elite forwards, and so um, I'm not as clued up on the NWSL as I would like to think I am on the European leagues. Um, but I, yeah, you can't ignore that it's growing, and there is an interest. There is an interest now that more figures from Europe are starting to go over to the NWSL. Um, I think it is hard with the time difference for UK fans as well to to watch those games, but they don't have them, and uh, I don't commentate on those because they're they're done on uh, the world feed uh I'd, I'd love to get involved but uh yeah there is there is a growing interest definitely definitely and you know you see whenever any managerial appointment is talked about uh the, the several big candidates over this side of uh of, of the globe um and so uh, what, what about for you guys as well um how is the interest in for this is out of my interest the wsl how how widely is it watched in the states i think it's it's still tough to find um so I believe Paramount Plus, they broadcast one WSL match per weekend. It's either one or two matches per weekend. So they can be a little tricky to find. Uh, you can find some stuff on YouTube. I think it's growing, though. I think just like I mean, the women's game in general, obviously you have a powerhouse, a USWNT over here. But I think people have really opened their eyes to, and you touched on it earlier, especially with this past World Cup, is fans have realized, especially for the NWSL, if they want any chance at keeping up with those European leagues, 
they got to start shelling out the money and getting players like Oshwala over here. And so it w- it was encouraging to see, despite ever since the rumors uh, started floating around there, uh, I've been hoping Oshwala would come to Seattle, but I'll kind of set my fan hat aside there. She's going a little farther south to San Francisco, but that's pretty encouraging for us. But and I and I think because the uh, the Premier League is so prevalent over here now, people are like, well, let me check out Arsenal women. Let me let me check out Manchester City women. And they're like, oh, Buddy Shaw, she's incredible. And like you can kind of see it start to really spider web out. Yeah, I, I love I love the the global nature of the game. In fact, I saw uh, Dazone, I think it was shared a video of. Um, was it like West Virginia Mountaineers or it might, it was some college uh, women's soccer team watching the Barcelona game last week um, again, sidetrack Frankfurt. And then hearing my own voice as well was really surreal. Like in the background, the, these, these, these girls were having, having a lunch break and we talked about the halftime oranges. I think they were actually having their post-match refuel or something. Just watching this game. Cause it is middle of the day for, for, for you guys. And I was like, that's mad that there's so much interest in this, in this match all around the world. And, um, and it's interesting that, that you say that the, NWS has to catch up with the European leagues because I'd love to see some sort of tournament, you know, and I say this with, with a caveat, uh, we've seen far too many injuries, especially in the women's game. Player overload is a massive concern. We've got to be careful about throwing too many games into an already congested schedule. But um, if that can be managed, it, it will be interesting to see how teams from either side of the Atlantic do match up and, and Australian teams as well, because we haven't talked about Australia. That's, that's such a, um, a hotbed of talent. Um, I thought that Haley Rasso was going to get her first Champions League goal. Didn't transpire, but they've given us so much in terms of footballing talent. And uh, yeah, it leaves it in a very good place at the moment. 100%. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It really is the confluence of the Premier League. The last 10 years in the US have, have seen like incredible growth around that. That plus the World Cup, it's sort of coming from different angles and different directions. And yeah, I think it, it's a really an economics question. We've talked about it quite a bit on the pod because like the NWSL is modeled after most American sports leagues, not after most world football leagues, you know, so it is a little different, a little tricky. And we'll see kind of how that that shakes out. But that would be incredible to see some of these, uh, the best teams across the leagues. Really just let's get a couple of the top NWSL teams into the Champions League somehow. Wild card. <laughs> but I don't know. That's really what we want to see. Yeah, wild cards. There we go. Uh, yeah, and just to clarify, Cam's not out here adv- advocating for more games, you know, because we want to keep things, you know, we want to solve that injury problem first and foremost, but um, would be something to see for sure. So Group C referred to on the Into the Channel pod as the Group of Life. <laughs> then since renamed the Group of Death the last five minutes of uh, Match Day 6, PSG starts off super slow. I think no wins, no goals in the first two. Then they kind of find their footing against Roma. They sort of teeter between looking like really super dangerous, like maybe could make a run to the final, or in the match against Bayern, not sure how much of it you caught, but Bayern really kind of gave them trouble and was sort of a little bit of a step ahead. PSG sort of needed a couple moments of brilliance, one from Baltimore, one from Chewinga, you know, to just kind of stay even and actually just survive. But PSG, you mentioned them as maybe the weakest of those top tier teams, but what do you see as what's possible for a team like that? Yeah, may- maybe the weakest of those four, but certainly certainly not weak. I mean, they're doing a good job of, of yeah. kind of holding onto the coattails of, of, of Lyon in, in Dayon Akima. Mm-hmm. It looks like Lyon are going to take top spot, but Dayon Akima is going to be really interesting this year because of the new playoff format. So at the end of the regular season, you just have to be in that top four. It is going to come down to 90 minutes of football. And okay, there are some critics of that idea. Um, Sonia Bonpastor and the ex-PSG boss, Gerard Prachet, 
being being two of them. Um, but it does make it interesting. And that that is a word I'd also use to describe Paris Saint-Germain. Um, they've scored a lot of goals in the league and they don't concede very many. And so I was quite alarmed to see how they were struggling after two games. Uh, picked it up with those three wins. And I didn't actually get to watch any of Matchday 6 in Group C, which is a real shame. I think I was driving home from, uh, from my match. Um, but yeah, it just seemed crazy. It seemed crazy. You know, that's the sort of thing that only group stage football can give you. And any, the fact that any one of those teams could have, could have gone through was that's, that's, that's what you want as a, as a neutral on the final day. Um, and I, I actually did the, I did the quarterfinal, uh, second leg last season against, uh, Wolfsburg. I'm doing all this from memory. So if I get any details wrong, I apologize, but, um, they're the team I've covered the least out of, um, out of the big French teams so far this season. Um, but Chewinga, what a talent, you know, she is scarily good. And I, I like the work of Baltimore in the engine room as well. And even players who can come off the bench and change the game, like Amelie Vansgaard, um, mm-hmm. really strong. And um, yeah, it was they were undone. I think it was. A, I remember a beautiful trip by Alex Pop for Wolfsburg last season in the in the quarterfinal. But it could have been very different. You know, that was a really tight game. I think they lost Elisa de Almeida in the first leg. I think did she handball and get a red card? I think she might have been out for the game. I I did, and so that was on a knife edge. That one. Um, and so they could be stronger this year. I, I'm really interested to see what matchup they get. Um, because they can struggle, you know, they can struggle. Uh, they have let that gap open up at the start of the season and then they start to pull it back. And we saw how sluggish they were getting off the mark in the Champions League. Um, but no, you look at that front line and um, yeah, Tuinga can cause a problem for any defence. Even Hecken if they're defending right on the edge of their own box <laughs> or Benfica. So, you know, it, they'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Well, Kim, we're going to get you out of here on time. Very much appreciate the time, man. And obviously you're crushing it, crushed it on the pod. So big thanks from us uh, for, for hanging out with us. Well, thank you very much, guys. It was really nice of you to get in touch. And uh, thank you for your kind words as well. Uh, you know, we're, we're, as commentators, we're not we're not the main characters. And it's important that we stress that. We are there in the background. But it is really nice to have your work um, acknowledged by people. And so thank you for that. And thank you for all the work that you do as well. And, uh, and, and yeah, keep in touch. I'm sure we'll speak again. Uh, I'll be tuning in. And, um, and yeah, let's see what else happens in the Champions League because I don't think we're out of stories yet but uh, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day you too Cam thanks for the time okay shout out to Camp Hope for hanging out with us tremendous insights had a great time uh, really appreciate that dude check him out on the zone and shout out to the zone for feeding us all of this uh, tremendously fun and entertaining content having to do with the women's champions league four more matches to cover we're gonna bang through them really quickly first one on the docket Chelsea Paris FC Paris FC in a gotta have it type of match they were a point behind Hacken in their group. So they needed a win. They also didn't have the tiebreaker against Hacken. So they needed the three points at home. But big bad Chelsea comes to town and uh, kind of knew what time it was early. And it got to have a situation. They didn't have it. <laughs> so what did you see in this one? They did not. Um, kind of a bummer. They lose to Chelsea in match day one on the strength of a Sam Kerr hat trick. Obviously, Sam Kerr is not appearing in this match uh, due to injury, but just kind of bookend bad losses for Perry FC. I think in the long term, it's an encouraging showing from them. We've talked about them as giant killers. They beat Arsenal. They beat Wolfsburg on the way to even make it to the group stage. So I don't think you can leave acting like you didn't accomplish anything, but I think they will be disappointed to lose 4-0 at home in a gotta have it game, not what you want. 
Yeah, I think once they fell behind relatively early, yeah. I think just mentally they might have checked out. Fran Kirby gets on the score sheet in the 10th minute. That was sort of a bad omen. Fran Kirby, by the way, been looking great with a little bit of extra room to operate yep. on that Chelsea attack. So that's been exciting to watch. Mia Fischel, she also gets on the board, 37th minute. And yeah, I think at that point, you already know what time it is. Um, I think Hacken was trending towards getting the win by that point but all in all good showing for Perry FC they were coming in as the third team from France all the French teams had a really good showing so far two of them obviously make it through to the quarters I think they will be disappointed but a lot to build on I mean you know they go into the match they obviously know they're not going to see Sam Kerr or Millie Bright but then Chelsea they put out the team sheet and there's no Lauren James there's no Aaron Cuthbert Connor Root and Wrighton came on about an hour into the match about the 61st 62nd minute somewhere in there and yeah, it's just like Perry FC, they couldn't really put together a solid run of passes. They looked a little tentative in some spots. In the dozy had, it was a bad time for kind of a rough in a dozy match. I still think though, I mean, we've talked about her all tournament in a dozy and we touched on it in the Cam Pope interview. She's the best keeper in the tournament, I think. Uh, as, in terms of the group stage, she was outstanding. So it was it was tough to see her kind of go out like this, but they'll be back. I feel like we can say that pretty confidently. Yeah, 100%. Next matchup, got to do it. Braun, that team, that team from Norway. Let's, let's go. Uh, in a match that they didn't really need, they're taking on St. Poulton, but they got it anyway. <laughs> Damn right they did. As our chief Braun head, what'd you see in this one? So Sarah Matner Tramblow from St. Poulton, she she comes out of the gate, scores in the first 10 minutes there. I think it was the seventh minute, mm-hmm. goes up 1-0. But buddy, the Braun Battalion was out in full force in Bergen, Norway to sing, chant, and cheer on this great side. Uh, it was a party. I mean, they had guaranteed their way to the knockout stage. So for Matner Tramblow to get that finish in the seventh minute, it's like, Okay, I guess, you know, if they're going to drop one, this is the one to drop, I suppose. Not so fast, my friend, because (laughs) Justin Keeland had something to say about it. Right place, right time, once again. That was a thumper. (laughs) That was a thing of beauty what she did. And typical Braun fashion to just kind of like take a minute to kind of get revved up. Their sort of victory lap was right around 10 minutes. Love just it. You come out and like, let's get warmed up and, you know, soak it all in. And then let's kick some ass, which, which they promptly got to uh, in the rest of this one. I love it. And was that not enough, though? Would, are we settling for a one one draw? I don't think so. At the death in the snow, because we have to get it in the snow. Keelan hits a perfect free kick right onto the head of Amelie Eichland. And we have ourselves a winner. It was, and I feel silly saying this because I'm 38 years old. It was a vibe in Bergen, Norway, buddy. <laughs> that shit was popping out there. They deserve every minute of this, man. I just fucking love watching this squad play so much. I cannot wait to see them. Who they draw on February 6th. And then I cannot wait to see them play in the knockout stage. They're going to be a problem for whoever gets them, for sure. I mean, that's going to be 180 minutes of rough and tumble. I mean, the sports movie continues. Love that the snow, uh, you know, makes a cameo near the death of the match. And to just kind of grab that winner and just be like, no, we're going to go in on a high note again. They're going to be a problem in the quarterfinals. We're going to come back probably next episode. Talk a little bit about the draw because I think we'll we'll have some intel on that and then kind of break down those matchups. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm dying to see who we get 
I mean, all the eight teams are so like there's not a weak team in the bunch. Nope. Like really good teams got eliminated. So really any combination of any four versus any other four uh, is going to produce fireworks and it's going to be must watch. Yeah, man. And you know what? I just in the interest of honesty, I'm rooting for a man. I'm all in. I'm all in on this side. And, you know, thank you to all of you going to watch and supporting us being so kind, educating us along this run. Trust us. If we could be out there, we would be out there for, uh, we would be in Bergen for the knockout rounds. Maybe not this year. I guess, you, I mean, you're just going to make the Champions League again, and then we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll be able to get out there next run. Yeah. And, and speaking of it being a party, that was something that, shout out to our, our, our Twitter friends and our YouTube friends, that was something that everybody reiterated. They're like, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. Yeah. <laughs> and they were right so on the awesome. money. Tremendous environment. That was that one was really fun. Can't wait to see this team again. The last quarterfinalist that we'll talk about this week, Lyon against Praha. Big time surprising results in this one. Granted, not a lot of stakes, but it's still Lyon. Still super talented side. Not all of their big guns, but plenty of guns <laughs> like in this one. Yeah. Sort of a surprise result. What are you going to take away from this one? I mean, there's still that thing in there. Like, I know we've talked about it throughout the the tournament. The staple of Lyon is we're scoring in the first eight minutes. It's ridiculous. You see it happen. Majri opens the proceedings by turning a Praha corner kick into a Lyon goal. Four minutes into the match, that happens. It's like, eh, probably not going to be much to see here. Praha doesn't have a ton to play for. This one might be a sleeper. It might get a little ugly. And no shame to Praha if that happens. And they were not here for it. Uh, The Czech side were ready to play. Franny Serna, she scores the equalizer for Praha. And they went nuts. And good for them because they should have gone nuts. Uh, The announcer, as soon as she scores it, the announcer said something to the effect of, she looked like she just scored the winner of the tournament. Um, (laughs) I didn't like that. I wasn't wasn't into that. (laughs) Oh, you think he was like being a little negative? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, we like to be pronouncer here. Obviously, we just had our guy Gamp Hope on. It was great. Right. And for the most part, the announcer has been great. But I don't know. That was not where I would have went with it. Just because it's like, you know, man, like this team's been knocking on the door. We've talked about the adjustment that they've had to make essentially like in their domestic leagues and in all the qualifying high powered offense. You can kind of see the hints of it. And they just had a really tough time breaking through in this group stage. So to kind of get one on the own. And it's not like they're down 4-0 and now it's 4-1. This is an equalizer. Yeah. We've talked about these teams being essentially enterprises that are going to persist decades out into the future so all of these results while they not they might not make a difference this year they compound you know and you'll see teams kind of grow and get better and and that's how you become sort of like that european powerhouse type team so for a team like praha they're not here to just fucking get some cardio and workshop some stuff like they're trying to make a statement here especially feeling like they didn't really have the group stage that i think they they could have put together so i wasn't a fan of the call i'll just leave it at that yeah i think that's i think that's those are really fair points and you know i thought cam said something interesting too where he said like sometimes you say something and i know we do it on this spot too where like we'll listen back to try to like QA ourselves or QC ourselves or however you want to put it. It's like, eh, maybe I'd take that one back. So I think that's an interesting point throughout the rest of the match. And you're totally right. They should have absolutely been hyped about that. And I even think about, of course, my mind goes back to Braun. In that first Lyon match, we joked about it when Eustine Keelan scored that goal against Lyon in their first fixture against them. Like she looked around like, holy shit, I just scored against Lyon. Like, that's amazing. So, you know, you got to celebrate the good times. But um, speaking of those good times for for Praha, I thought Lukasova was borderline superhuman between the posts for them. Excellent. She kept a minute. Koshikova, she gets a deflection. 
that will forever go into Praha folklore. Again, going back to the announcer, I think that's how he framed it. I think he framed it as, as Praha folklore. So that's how they end up getting the equalizer. There's a Vicky Becho goal earlier there. But for Praha to pull it back, to get a draw, even like you said, the stakes weren't there. They're already out of it. Leon's already through. You just drew Leon, who is one of the juggernauts of all the juggernauts in this sport. Have a day, Praha. Go out there, man. That, that's fantastic for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Leon, they had a real lineup out there. Basha, Majri, Diani, yeah. Ellie Carpenter, Agarola, Hegeberg, Daniel Vandedonk, uh, Lindsey Horan's out there. They brought some big guns off the bench. Vicky Becho, who scored, you mentioned. This was a real side. Yep. Really nice way to close it out for Praha. Hopefully we welcome them back next season as well. One more match to cover. This one, no stakes. Really out here playing for pride. Frankfurt, Rosengard. Frankfurt kind of punctuates their group stage. Didn't end how they wanted it to end, but a nice way to kind of hang it up for this Champions League season. What'd you see in this one? Frankfurt, the four-time European champs, they made certain that they had a farewell game to remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Denzel Washington clip of, I'm leaving here with something. I feel like that was kind of Frankfurt's motto here. Elena Achigaz had a brilliant chip in the first half to put Frankfurt up one nil. Mm-hmm. You go into the half one nil and you're like, okay, a solid performance from the German side. They're going to make sure they get this win. Like you said, they're playing for pride. Then they scored four goals at an 18 minute <laughs> stretch from the 66th minute to the 84th minute. And you end up with a really lopsided scoreline. Rosengard exits the tournament with one draw and five losses. But I think the combination of you're in a group with Benfica, Frankfurt, and Barcelona, and then maybe some unlucky bounces uh, that weren't great for them, I think it looks worse than Rosengard really is. And I thought they really handled themselves very well in their 2-2 draw versus Benfica last week. So if you're Rosengard, oh, yeah. you can climb back into this tournament in the future. Damos Svenskin is a great league over in Sweden. It probably wasn't a, the, a great time this year, but if you're Rosengard, we'll see you again down the line. Yeah, 100%. Shout out to them. Shout out to Frankfurt. Good way to end You know, this run. Didn't break their way, but um, nice way to go out. Anything else you want to hit? Before we get out of here? I think that largely covers it, man. I mean, just what a fantastic celebration of life this group stage was in general. Oh, the group the group stage of life. There you go. That's what Let's I'm talking go. about. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, again, just, you know, thanks to everybody kind of following along with us. Like I said, enjoying the football with us, educating us on some blind spots that we have over here in America I mean, this has just been such a wonderful tournament so far, and we have epic football yet to be played. And so we get the draw on February 6th, and I just, I cannot wait to see who matches up against who, namely who has to suffer the punishment of playing Braun. <laughs> I can't, I cannot wait to see. Oh my God. Yeah, we're going to have to fire up the mics pretty soon thereafter. We'll, we'll, we'll work on the uh, the scheduling here offline, but a couple other programming notes. We are going to come back with a very American-style power rankings, one Let's through go. eight. That's going to be quite the exercise. It's going to be fun to kind of compare notes as well on that. But yeah, I think we did it, man. This has been another episode of Into the Channel. Subscribe or follow us, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to watch or listen. Comments, ratings, reviews, feedback, information learnings always appreciated we appreciate each and every one of you guys who chimes in with extra context that really helps us 
understand what we're watching uh, and helps us with our storytelling at ITC underscore pod on X at into the channel pod on threads. Big thanks for watching or listening. We are thrilled to have you hanging out with us. Big thank you to my co-host, Mr. Grant Angle for advancing to the knockout stage along with me. And we're just getting started, man. We're on to the knockout stage. Let's do this, buddy. We're going to make it through.